Now broadcasting live on Ustream or direct to your portable device. From Martin Road Studios, BaggedAndBoard.com presents the Bagged and Boardcast. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. Drink my beer. It's good. It doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Uh, what? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is crazy. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bag and Boardcast, episode number 95. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're speaking in deep voices. I was just speaking normally. I went a little kind of deep for mine. I always talk like this. Hey, <laughs> man, who let you in here? Batman. No one. You don't belong here. Go back and got them. But uh, we're a weekly nerd podcast that comes to you in four ways. The first being The Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. And we follow that up with the list, which is the comic books we're most looking forward to this week. It would be September 14th. 14th. And then, uh, Let me finish my own damn sentences, John. Sorry. But you guys live together now. It's like you can't complete each other's sentences. No. We've lived together for a while. <laughs> uh, and then we go into our rotating yes. topic, which is our look back, uh, our monthly look back, looking at um, some books that came out in the month of August. And we're going to forego the movie fix so we can... We're foregoing the movie fix. Just so we just can... Just so we can... Add in, Add in the Flashpoint. The Flashpoint and review that, that as well. It, it's a double size. <laughs> Look back. How do you like it? I liked it just fine, because you stared at me with creepy eyes the whole time you did it. Because I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> and if you guys want to hear our thoughts on the other books, and you don't want to wait a whole month for a monthly Look Back, check out our new YouTube channel. Bag and Board. For our Bag and Board Bites, where we're going to be reviewing some of the new 51s out of the new 52. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Paul stared at me the whole time he said that. Well, John pointed at me and it was weird. I was hoping you could segue something to get us into the beer because I don't like being on camera while sober. Maybe. I don't know. Like, here's the baton. <laughs> How is John going to segue that? I, yeah. No, no. When I was after the, after I How did I know that's what you bites. were doing? Well, that's why I looked at you and pointed. Yeah, but you're just creepy. So why did John point at me then? Maybe he wanted you to segue it. Uh, all I know, hey, John, what are we drinking? <laughs> all I know is um, uh, I picked up uh, local breweries Oktoberfest and their original, what started the brewery, um, their uh, Aviator Red. Um, mm-hmm. We're drinking Bison Fest from Flying Bison Brewing Company out of uh, our fair city. Buffalo, New York. I like to call it Bilo. I know you do, and it's horrible. Why is it horrible? It's so stupid. People call Boston Beantown or, uh, or the Bow. People call Syracuse what? Cuse. The Cuse. Yeah, People call Rochester? Rochester. The Rock. Okay. I don't like it. What do you call Buffalo? Bilo. Oh, yeah. I, I... It's not horrible. But... No, people call it that. Yeah. I don't like it. Also acceptable are Buffalo. And buffalo. <laughs> How about the buff? No. No. But, uh... I just like to call it buffalo. Bisonfest. Huh? Bisonfest. Huh? 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 Uh, it's got a nice collar to it. It's got a good smell. It's not the worst beer. It's not a bad Oktoberfest. I like my Oktoberfest a little, a little more yeah. spice to it. A little more oomph. 
Yeah. Um, it's just kind of your, like, a generic Oktoberfest. Unfortunately, I had a uh, another taste of the season right before coming here, a uh, Starbucks uh, pumpkin spice latte. Mm. So, you know, you get a lot of spice there. So I don't know if it's just my palate that's no. not calibrated. No. This has a little bit more of, like, a nutty taste to it. Yeah. It's not bad, I'm but... Not much it's anything. not bad. Um, I probably wouldn't buy it again. I know, I haven't had Flying Bison since um, they were bought out um, a while ago. Last year they were bought out by the company that um, owns Saranac. I, don't, I can't remember what the beer company is, but they've been making a big comeback out here. Um, they had some problems before, and now with the support of the Saranac Brewery, they've been making great headway and coming back from Rusty Chain... Is another one of the big mm-hmm. ones that's actually been doing really well. It's really good beer. I like the Rusty Chain. Well, it's Charlotte Oktoberfest. A little shout out to Bilo. Some, hey. some Buffalo Love? Yes. But yeah, that's what I feel on it. Yeah, it's not great. You can drink it, but there's not much to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. I just thought it was me because I had, you know, nope. that really heavy coffee. No, no. That I ruined my palate. Nah. No. Nah. Talking about ruining things, though. Right into the Weekend Geek. Right into the Weekend Geek. George Lucas. <laughs> Get ready for your Blu-ray players, people, because Star Wars is coming to Blu-ray this Friday. And if you're listening to this not during the week that we recorded, then it came out and you missed it. And you probably did yourself a favor. I just don't know why... Uh, I think the biggest thing is him adding the no to Return of the Jedi during the battle between uh, the em- when the, the Emperor is zapping Luke with the blue lightning, force lightning. And every time it cuts to Vader, he starts going, no, no. And then by the time he picks up the Emperor and throws him over the, uh, the railing, because in space there's always a railing that you can die. It's a science fiction fact. It is. Yeah. Death by railing is one of those big things. Uh, he starts shouting the no the whole time. Yeah. I I don't feel this needs to be done. Exactly. Just put the movie out on DVD on your Blu-ray. Yeah, but he's going to do with what what he wants with it. I mean, it's his movie. You can say, like, no, it's our movie as much as you want. No, fucker made those on his own, like, <laughs> on his own time with his own money. Like, fuck it. He can do whatever he wants to it. If you're going to complain about it... Well, enjoy your entitlement because they're not yours. <laughs> I couldn't really tell you the last time I sat down and watched them all. Hmm. Yeah, it's been years since I've watched them. Yeah. I, honestly, I have no need to watch them. I've watched these movies way too damn much growing up. And, yeah, I mean, I own them on DVD. I've never even watched them. Like, someone bought them for me. It's like, oh, cool, Star Wars. I wanted to have them in the collection. Like, I, yeah. Which ones do you have? Oh, I have the original trilogy, and then I have Attack of the Clones. Okay. But uh, which version of the original trilogy? It's the special edition ones. Okay. That's all they've put out on DVD. No, they have the original theatrical. The theatrical ones on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've come in the gold or box, the gold box. And then they have the ones that he re-edited. Like, he put um, yeah. the kid that played Anakin, his face on... When Luke takes off Vader's mask, Vader Christensen. Yeah, they put his face there. I don't remember that. I don't think I don't have that version. I have the you know special edition one with the stupid uh, 
Jabba's Palace, right? <laughs> supposed mm-hmm. to be a creepy, kind of sketchy place. Musical number. House band. Yeah. Max Rebo band. Yeah, Max Rebo band. Uh, musical number. It's supposed to be creepy. And that's my thing about these these uh, George Lucas now fixes of the movie, I guess. It, I feel like there's a watering down of all the characters. Like, everybody had a problem with Rito shooting at Han first because it made Han seem less of a smuggler. You know, he's... Less of a scoundrel. Yeah, less of a scoundrel. Nerf herder. Exactly. He will shoot you in cold blood to get away. It's funny you say that because that's why he didn't, because Han Solo isn't a cold-blooded killer. And that's it came across that way in the shooting. But it wasn't supposed to be like that. That's why he changed it. Because Han Solo is not cold-blooded. He's a scoundrel. He's a nerf herder. Mm Mm-hmm. Scruffy looking, but yeah, no, like I, I don't like, like that change, but it makes sense because when else do you see Han Solo being that cold-blooded like person? You could say that when he chooses to leave them behind, he's like, "No, I'm not going to stick around and watch these people commit suicide. I'm out for myself." That's the whole story. That's the character arc that you're getting for Han Solo is that his adventure with Luke <clears> and Leia. Proves that he cares more, you know, he comes, he starts off, I'm out for myself, I will kill this guy to get away, and, you know, because i got to side with my own problems and look out for me, and then by the end of the movie, you know, he, he has that decision point again, he's kind of faced with the same kind of situation, where he might be risking his own life now for somebody else. But didn't he risk his own else. life to save Chewie, and that's why Chewie's with him, because he owed yeah. him a debt? yeah. It's the Wookiee life debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, he's known to do it before. He's a good guy. I mean, like, he came yeah. back to save him. Mm-hmm. You're all clear, buddy. Take the shot and let's get out of here. Or, let's blow take this the thing shot and go home. home. Yeah, blow this thing and go home. I haven't watched them in years, though. <laughs> but Just you watched know? a shit ton of them when you were growing up. It's true. But, I don't know. I Besides... I mean, we're getting away from the... Vader yelling stuff. I I don't know. I feel like this isn't official, though. Like, I feel like someone edited this together because I'm seeing it right here in description. From an actual Blu-ray leak, as you can tell, my version was a tad out of sync. Well, if you got it from an actual Blu-ray leak. And the tags are free hat. (laughs) I don't know. I don't... I'm not putting a lot of stock in that one. I'm just saying. Just saying. Alright. Anybody else got anything for Weekend Geek? Not really. No, I mean, I'm honestly, like, the thing I'm looking forward to in the Blu ray thing, I will never buy it and watch them, but is the fact that they have the scene of Luke actually building his green lightsaber in it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's one of those things you never actually get to see. Where he kind of puts it together and then puts it in R2? No. No. It's like the him in the cave building it. At the end of the scene, doesn't he put it in R2? No? You don't see that part. No. But uh, like I said, I saw just like a short clip of it from... from online. The, the uh, Star Wars Celebration. Mm-hmm. So it could be. Cool. Yes. It is cool. You know what else is cool? D23. I don't know what that, that is. That happened. <laughs> that happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We'll the, uh, about it. That's the uh, Disney Expo that happens every year now. Um, oh. 
It is kind of cool. It's like where they kind of showcase stuff that's coming out, stuff that they're working on. Brave. Um, they showed. Brave looks awesome. Um, but yeah, it's just it's big, like a big Disney convention. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. You know, that's why I said it was pretty cool when you asked, do you know what's pretty cool? And I said, D23. <laughs> Move it out from the wall quick. Cause it, there we go. Because every time you lean on it, like you hear it sticking to the wall. Ugh. So what else is cool? Or what were you going to say is cool? I was going to say the books that we're looking forward to coming out next week. Oh! Well, next week being <laughs> September 14th, Wednesday, it's comic book day. Um, we're getting a lot of new stuff from DC, and I feel like I have to go with a DC book. And I'm actually looking forward to a number one. What? <laughs> They're all number one, silly. <laughs> um, it's actually a new number one, though. It's Red Lanterns uh, by Pete Milligan and artist Ed Bennis. Um, I don't know. I'm a big Green Lantern fan. I love the Red Lantern core. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do in their own solo title. And Pete Milligan is a great writer. He's got that great darker edge, so he's perfect for the Red Lanterns. Lucifer. <laughs> like, that's no, that was Mike Carey. Oh, no. Who's... Uh, P. Milligan did, like, the, the Changing Man stuff. Changing Man. And he um, did a run on uh, Hellblazer. Hellblazer. That's, um, that's Schemer, I think he did. Yeah. I've never read Screamer. It's Screamer. Called, but yeah, yeah, never read it. With a K? Yep. Yeah. It was something like that. Um, and Ed Bennis is the, one of the guys that was doing... He did Justice League. Yeah, he did Justice League of America when I was coming out. Um, he also did some stuff on Teen Titans. He did the Blackest Night Titans. Hmm. So he can go dark, too. He can go dark. Baby killing dark. Yeah. And uh, another dark book, number one new title from DC that I'm looking forward to is the Jeff Lemire written and Alberto Pancelli uh, artist um, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. Uh, I really like Jeff Lemire. Mm-hmm. Paul turned me on to him. And uh, i really like to see what he was going to do with a darker style book. And an uh, interesting character like Frankenstein. Did you pick up the Frankenstein uh, Flashpoint miniseries? No. You, so you're interested in this book. What didn't make you want to pick up the other Frankenstein book um, that came, well, was coming out? You know what? I just never got around to it. I was one yeah. I was going to plan on picking up in trade when I got around to it. Right. Because um, it was an interesting story, but it just never hit that level for me to, oh, it's here, let me grab it. Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. The Frankenstein stuff from the uh, Grant Morrison Seven Soldiers of Victory was pretty cool too, though. Uh, yeah, you know what? I did read. I did read Seven Soldiers, so I do. I have seen him in a book, but I think Jeff Lemire is such an interesting writer for what he has written before to mm-hmm. take on something like this. I'd like really like to see what he does with it. He's done some creepy stuff, especially within Sweet Sweet Tooth. No. I picked up the first like six issues of that. And that got creepy and weird, and it was post-apocalyptic and dark. And you didn't read it anymore after that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because it was, you know, I got my the first story arc kind of thing, and, you know, it's just one of those, it's a Vertigo book. So I'm like, I'll pick it up trade, and then I haven't. Uh, you know, they so, come out with the trades for that yet? Yeah. They, oh, I haven't seen they've it. had at least one trade, if not two. It's a good book, but, you know, it suffers from vertigoitis, where it's difficult to read in the single issues because the story doesn't really move. I have no problem reading Vertigo stuff in single issues, so I will fight you on that, Paul. Really? Yes. No problem. There, I don't know. Fables you read in single issue. Yeah. yeah. And what other Vertigo book do you read in single issue? Well, I was picking up Jack of Fables, but I stopped buying that one just because it wasn't good. 
Um, but oh, House of Mystery, I don't. Right. Trying to think what else. But, like all the Fables books, like the Cinderella mm-hmm. ones, like the spinoffs that they come out with, I pick all those up. And in trade. And in trade. Mm-hmm. But it's more of a money thing than anything else. Right. So And I constantly go back and reread them. Mm-hmm. So that's why I buy the trade. Because right. it's just easier to do that than have to dig through issues. So reading Vertigo books is easy in single issues. Yeah, I have no problems with it. And the one that you do is just the Fable stuff. That's honestly the only Vertigo book I'm buying right now, though. Okay. Like, issue-wise. So it's... <laughs> okay. I'm not making my point. No, you're not. Because it's a money thing. Like, if I had, mm-hmm. like, endless sources of money where I could buy, like, all the books I pick up from Vertigo in trade, like, monthly through the issues, I would. And then still buy them. Like, that's what I do with Green Lantern. I buy all the trades that come out for those, too. And I still buy the issues. It's true, he does. It's, it's very true. He also buys the awesome statues of <laughs> Right over there. In Wait, the room. Didn't we help buy that for his birthday one year? No, I don't think so. I thought I'd give you a Oh, no, no, card. his ring prop. That yeah, was the ring, right, prop. Yeah, the ring yeah. prop. Yeah, which is also in the living room. But that's <laughs> what I was talking about. I'm sorry. But, no, um, but yeah, I have no problem reading Vertigo books by the issue. Mm-hmm. I just find that Sweet Tooth was a little bit, you know, slower paced, you know, in the single issues mm. that I enjoyed it, would probably enjoy it better in the trade, okay. much like Why the Last Man. I kind of enjoyed that better in trade than even the, because I didn't really get into it in single issues. I only picked up the last, I think, six issues, single issues, just because I needed to get the story as soon as possible. Mm. And waiting for the trade is sometimes brutal. Sometimes it could be a little bit rough, but... Mm. You gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. Money-wise. Money-wise. That's what I hate about Invincible. Like, I wish I was buying the issues. But it's expensive. Yeah. So I pick up the trades for that one, but I constantly reread them. I have the first four trades of that, and that's really good so far. It's really good. Paul, have you picked your book yet? No. Okay, number one. (laughs) J.H. Williams III. That's all I really need to say, right? Uh, like I said, when I was paging through Animal Man, uh, you'll probably hear my a little bit more on there. Bag and Board Bites YouTube channel, just Bag and Board on YouTube. I also be on BagandBoard.com. I enjoyed the different art style, and I'm afraid with all these things going day and date digital, that we were going to get a more simplified art to break up each panel in a very grid-like thing, and almost I was a little afraid we were going to go back to basically nine panel grids. You know, just to make it easier to read on screen. Uh, luckily, with Animal Man, we saw that wasn't necessarily true. And I'm kind of interested in picking up Batwoman number one, both digital and in print. Uh, I'll probably wait, you know, the month to get it at the dollar cheaper on the digital. Probably the same with Animal Man, just to see how an app will handle the different layouts. Because J.H. Williams III puts on a clinic clinic when uh, with page layouts. Especially when you go into those Batwoman scenes. And it was kind of interesting with um, the artist on Animal Man basically doing the flip for the panel layouts, the page layouts were so much more dynamic during the home when uh, Buddy was home and the family stuff was going on. So, that's, and this is a long time coming. How long have we been waiting for this Batwoman book? Since it's, before 52. Yeah, 52 they were talking about it. Then it started coming out in Detective Comics. And then Greg Rucka 
left DC, and it's mm-hmm. been kind of talked about since then. But yeah, but I even, mean, you're looking at least like a couple years now. Yeah, because even during the detective run, they were like saying, "Come look out for Batwoman number one with uh, what was it, hydrolysis G or something?" Hydro, because it's a like a water based villain, Ness, villainess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that's the book I'm looking forward to. Cool. Hmm. Just to see both digital and in print. Are you going to do that? You're going to pick it up digitally too? Yeah, I'm going to do the same with Animal Man. Interesting. Just to compare and contrast. I would say I would probably write up a little something on the website, but I know I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't rope yourself into something you can't do. Yeah. But I'll tell you what we can do. Let's take a look at some of the books that came out back in August of 2011. Like it was yesterday. <laughs> but, it w- but before we get into these books, we got one more beer to try. And that is... Uh, I really wanted you to catch you guys like still talking about the beer. When I- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were aware of what was happening, Paul. Um, on top a- of it. Is the Aviator Red the the signature, the flagship beer from Flying Bison? And what we were just saying is we poured these, we poured them into our pint glasses. Is this isn't red? We all remember it being a lot more red in color because it's an like Irish. It's, yeah. it's an Irish red, mm-hmm. and it is this really. It's I mean, it's so dark. It's, it's almost dark. black. Like, but if you hold it up to the light. And the light shines through it, you get like a nice cherry red color. But you have to hold it like right up to the light, <laughs> yeah, where the light like the right light's in. right behind it, yeah. and you're looking at it. Um, I know I really like reds. Um, I haven't had this one in a while, so I'm kind of looking forward to trying it since it's been a it's long been time. Since I've yes, had please, this. sir. Yes, mm, delicious. It's oh got wow! That beautiful smoky flavor, right? It is, it is really good. And then it has a nice finish, but it doesn't like. Sit on the tongue like some smoky beers do, where you're like, feel like you should be scraping your tongue off with a knife. Because I, it, I know what you're saying. I don't think Avia Red is tasted as good as this does. This is the uh, red that drinks like a stout almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has like that really heavy smokiness this, to it. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. I haven't had Avia Red in probably six to seven years. Honestly, I think the last time I had a red period was that time that Ed, friend of the show, Ed, brought his red that he made over that one time. Yeah. And that was still like a year and a half ago. He made a red? Yeah. Yeah. He made a milk stout, too. It was really good. He made a milk stout? It was a little, it was a little <laughs> syrupy, but it was still pretty good. They, I only had his one of his homemade beers once, and it wasn't yeah. very good, because that was like one of the first ones he did, and he used uh, table sugar to, you know, as the... Sugar, you know, the sugar malt, eat, yeah. yeah, and it was very good. No, well, his other beers, he's gotten a lot better. His red was really good. Mm. I have a beer kit in the bottom, in the basement, in the bottom, in the bottom, the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he smuggles it. In the bottom. I, I just smuggle it all into my bottom. In the bottom. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking we could do a, uh, we should brew up here one night. Um, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, okay, I should videotape it. Yeah. For no, the, we can have the bagged and for the, the bagged and brewed. Hey, um, it's like Drew Carey show. It was like what? Buzz beer. Buzz beer. I couldn't remember what it was called. Yeah, we can have our own beer. Limited run. <laughs> Limited run. Whatever we can make out of that thing. Bag, bagged and brewed. I like that. I like that. We can create a cool logo using using our 
using I paint using our logo that we have. <laughs> <laughs> would you guys would you guys ship it in bags? Like the you know like a Ziploc bag. You know like a brown paper bag. <laughs> yeah. well, I think better Ziploc you just cut the corner and <laughs> no. Be horrible to drink beer in a brown bag. Who'd want to drink a beer out of a Ziploc bag? I would homeless. You would. So I like to eat my soup too. People that are surviving. Soup, not chowders. <laughs> no, never a chowder. People, um, people, go ahead, Paul. People that are surviving a war between Aqu- Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Oh, you're trying to get back on track. I'm what? not going to let you yet. Huh? Um, I have to say, this me really good. A lot Sur- better than I remember it being. Surprisingly, I I would definitely pick up, in the and especially a fall. This is a perfect fall beer. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take a look at the bottle again. But I would definitely pick up Aviator Red and... Um, our friend Aaron down in uh, in Kansas from um, Red, Phone, Red Zone. Phone Zone. I'm definitely going to be sending him some of this because I think he'll like it. Today it was raining really hard for that moment, and this is a beer that I'd want to sit down on my front porch and just watch the lightning. Yeah, and drink this. And cook some ribs. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe read some Flashpoint. Maybe. Oh, you oh, look at that. John sneaking in and stealing the segue from Paul. Watch the lightning, I know. And he stole it. And then, no, because I said watch the lightning, and then he goes with cook some ribs. <laughs> like, oh, I threw you off the set, set, and then you come up and be like, no, and you just knock it down on our side, and then you're like, I'm going to serve it, though. And then I wait, 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 oh, wait. Three-point hook shot. Just, oh. I was going to say, just because John played volleyball doesn't mean he understands what you're saying, because he threw in a hook shot there. <laughs> now he's not going to play basketball. <laughs> but then he's talking basketball. Goal! When he said net. <laughs> the basketball. Who thinks volleyball? I played it for a summer. It was a mean thing. Did you, how many games did you play? A bunch. Oh, I, I, I only know. missed two. I only missed two games. Right. So how many games did you play? Mm, I only missed say, two, but there was only two I, games. Like, what's the, no, what? I only missed two games right. out of, I don't know, 12, 14, maybe? So you played 14 games? And Something you still like don't understand set and spike? Oh, Paul, we all, I wasn't listening to you. You made basketball motions. He was, no, he didn't! He no, set. set! He was set. not like that, just shooting no, motions. That's, that's how you set. You were shooting basketballs. <laughs> Uh, we need to work on your setting because you think it's a basketball thing. Uh, Cancel the podcast. It's volleyball time. <laughs> well, it's got sand in my pockets. It was horrible. So, Flashpoint. <laughs> Number five. DC Comics. Ending. Jeff Johns and Andy Cooper. DC. Uh, Chris and I talked about this a little bit before the show. And so, I know his thoughts. I'm really wondering, Jan, what's... What what do you think? What because I already heard Chris's talk about it. And no, nobody wants to hear what I think. No, I do, but I'm interested in hearing <laughs> John first. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm just feeling the dead air because John is thinking through it. Well, I was waiting for Paul to stop talking. Oh, I was setting him up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were looking through to refresh. I'm sorry. That's why he handed it to me. That's uh, why I, I was talking to Paul. That's why I was feeling dead air with the <laughs> setup. This guy. <laughs> now we're just talking. Now we're just talking, and I'm swapping it away from you. Uh, I really liked. I really liked all of Flashpoint. Um, I thought it was very well done. Number five, again, really good. I really liked the um, 
Dr. Wayne and Flash every time they had to do anything together. I like how it was Batman who everyone, because of his mythos, everyone thought he was invincible. Like, all those little things. Um, I enjoyed the uh, the Captain Marvel or whatever they, I forget what they called it. Captain Lightning. Captain Lightning in that. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, but... Uh, but that's what spin-off books are for. Exactly. And uh, I really, I really liked every little <laughs> thing about it. Um, the whole... Uh, Kind of the ending with passing the note to to Batman to Bruce. Good moment. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I needed that. I I really like that moment. I like it because but... there's a part where you see Bruce Wayne taking off the cowl to read the note, and I was just like, "That's good writing right there." I don't know if that was actually in the script or if that was just something like Andy Cooper did. But I was like, "Okay, he's he's not reading this as Batman. He's actually looking at this note." As Bruce, and you know, you don't need that, but it was good for the character. I think. So. I, well, if you take a look, he reads it as Batman, but he makes sure he takes off his cowl to cry. Ah, because Batman does not cry. Bruce Wayne will cry sometimes. I <laughs> just need to drown my feelings. The box of chocolates. <laughs> Because he, he's reading it right there as Batman, and I just want to, you know. Okay, I honestly I haven't really because read I do I do enjoy that that's something that I didn't really think of. But yes, I do understand the point. When he starts really pouring over it, he does remove his cowl. He reads it first as Batman, and then reads it again, basically as Bruce Wayne, and that's when he cries because he does remove his cowl the second time he reads. No. I didn't want anybody emailing us and be like, hey, no. Which, which they can do at contact at bagmanboardcast.com. But uh, I, I do, I like that moment, but I, I don't, I don't, I feel a little shoehorned. But I do, I like that character moment. Mm-hmm. And I liked everything about in the book, you know? And I liked that it was really Flash who caused it. Like, it was all, uh, it was all good. I really enjoyed all of it. Now, Paul, you were a naysayer in the beginning. Did it, yes. turn, did it, capture you at all? No. <laughs> None of the actual story elements, you know, the war between Aquaman and Wonder Woman, you know, these characters really coming together, really got resolved in the story. Because what it all comes down to is something that they set up in issue one, where, or maybe even issue two, I'm forgetting, Barry Allen says to Dr. Wayne, I cannot change the past. I just can't do it. It's not in my power. It must have been the reverse flash. Set up. You, you know that it couldn't be Barry Allen. Because they said it. They set up the rule. And then by issue five, they're like, remember that rule we told you about? You know, he cannot change. Yeah, we lied. He's, he's the one that actually changed the past. And it's just so weird to me because Barry Allen originally had both his parents. Like, in the Silver Age run. So, the retcon of him losing his mother, and that's why he became the Flash, it was a retcon. So, him changing it now again? So, it's a retcon on top of a retcon? It gets, kind of gets, like, confusing, you know, just weird to me. It's the Flash. Time Machine, Speed Force. Same thing. <laughs> I guess. But you can't... I don't think that's really fair to a reader... To tell them, no, this is impossible in this story. And then right away, three issues later, go, 
yeah, what we told you couldn't happen actually did happen. I feel it's kind of cheap. Well, I, I feel like that was maybe Barry Allen saying, like, no, I, I can't do that. Like, him saying, I, it's not something I would do. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm, pop, like, capable of doing it. And then having it be like, holy shit. Like, kind of one of those moments. Not only I, that. I have been thinking about it a little bit since yeah. we talked the other mm-hmm. day. I mean, it also could just be the point of, you know, he's just always felt that he had to do this, and then that he did it, you know, he made himself forget it and say, you know what, I, I did, I made the biggest mistake ever, and I'm going to block it out. Because he does, and then all of a sudden he remembers what he did. No, they did that in Flash Rebirth. Him going back and stopping the Flash from killing his mom. It just happened. Like, not 13 issues ago in the Flash books. So it's kind of like, wow, this reset already. And, you know, it just seems weird that, you know, they would kind of do this to us. You know, um, that's if you go back to Identity Crisis, like, that's a story really thought out well, where... They give the reader everything they need to figure out who the villain is by the end of that book. Like, who who benefits? Who benefits? And it was the families that benefit. And you're showing that in the very first issue that it's... A, and then you never really suspect it's going to be Gene Loring. And then all of a sudden, you know... But in this book, it's like the exact opposite. They tell you one thing, and it's the exact opposite by the end of the book. And it's kind of disappointing... And also, going through it, I really feel like, especially this page here... Paul opens to the double uh, page spread with the Flash. Like, I don't even I don't want even know how to say it, but like, aligning the three timelines. Mm-hmm. With the help of this great beyonder. <laughs> you can't call her that. I know. <laughs> this hooded woman. I do like him running like the, uh, through and like kind of disappearing and coming back and having the new costume at the end. It's reminiscent of, of Crisis on the Infinite yeah, Earth. That's what I liked about it too. Um, but I feel like this is like they had this story and it was going to go one way, and then they decided, oh wait, we're going to relaunch all the characters, you know, the whole DCU line, and they zagged it the other way. And like I said, like I don't, just don't feel like this book was big enough or really important enough or had the gravitas to change and relaunch the DCU line. Like, Crisis on Infinite Earths, 12-issue maxi-series had every single character show up in at least one panel. Huge book. This felt quick, and then by the time you're like, oh, how are they going to rechange everything? You get it on a one-doubled-page spread. Well, I, I think what happens with that is... You know, to compare it to Crisis, Crisis was a DC event. Mm-hmm. This was more a Flash event that changed everything. It, that makes the point. Yeah. It's Flash point. You mm-hmm. know, it's not DCU point. Exactly. Um, That's yeah. my problem with it. I, it was a Flash book that they decided to make with a DCU have, change. Would you like Infinite Crisis? Mm-hmm. Was a big what six? I think it was like seven six, issues. Seven or something. issues. Yeah. yeah, it was big. Out of that. Would you have liked to have seen the relaunch books? Because you had all those worlds <coughs> coming and then put back into one. You know, you, you got the multiverse again. But if there was one event that happened in the VCU that I would want the relaunch to happen, it would have been 52. Because that was a huge series. You know, it was 52 issues. And by the end, you had the reintroduction of the multiverse. 
which seemed like an important thing, that kind of got buried a little bit. And it's still kind of buried even now. You know, except for some books that they actually mention it. Like, maybe there's been three books that have mentioned the multiverse since. Yeah. And one was a Flashpoint tie-in. Flashpoint, uh, The Outsider, number three. Where they actually mentioned the multiverse, having 52 books. 52 ones? Or 52? See, I, I understand what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. if it come out of Infinite Crisis, it would have been a little bit more because you're taking all these different characters from all these different universes, mm-hmm. streamlining it into one. Like this, I feel the complete line-wide relaunch would make a little bit more sense coming out of something like that yeah. than a Flash thing. Mm-hmm. But they did it coming out of a Flash book, which, you know, it's it makes sense coming from a Flash book, but for a whole line why thing, not really. So I can definitely understand what you're saying, Paul. If they hearken back more to the showcase number four book, which started the Silver Age for DC, like maybe then I could understand this being, hey, Flash started us with Silver Age. Flash was the first DCU Silver Age character, Barry Allen. And Barry Allen is going to hearken in the new post- modern, and that's not really the right sense. You know what I, I know mean. What you mean. Yeah, yeah. The, the new contemporary standard for the DC universe. But I didn't get that with Flashpoint. We got this really weird alternate universe that introduced characters that we don't know if they're going to set. We know Aquaman isn't going to be the same. We don't really learn anything about Aquaman in this book. You know, character-wise, you don't really want learn anything. And I when do we even see Wonder Woman in Flashpoint? Couple, couple hits here and there. Yeah, but that, again, it's very Flash focused. It's, it's a, it's a Flash book. It's a Flash miniseries. And if you want those other stories, well, hey, we've got these three issue miniseries coming out that are expanding upon that. And honestly, I didn't buy any of those because, like, we kind of talked about this the other day mm-hmm. again, because. You're looking at a three issue miniseries coming out of a miniseries. <laughs> That isn't going to have to do with anything mm-hmm. once the five-issue miniseries is wrapped up. The only one that I could say is maybe that Frankenstein one, because it looks like that miniseries is going to lead right into Frankenstein Ancient of Shade. Yeah. So, yeah. like, John and I were saying, like, right when Flashpoint started, like, those books looked interesting. Like, we wanted to check them mm-hmm. out. You guys but, were interested in this oh, yeah. universe. It was oh, very, that was cool. It was an interesting uh-huh. universe, but not enough to spend three bucks... Per issue, like, you know, drop, yeah. you know, around $10 to get more story. There were some one-shots in there. There was the Kenberry Cricket, uh, Grod of War. Yeah, but, it, you know, it was, yeah, it exactly. was more like the Aquaman, Wonder Woman stuff. The Thomas Wayne is Batman. Yeah. That's what was, like, really interesting. Even the Deathstroke. Yeah. Like, I wanted to check that. Just was it like scene. Pirate Deathstroke. Yeah, that was, yeah. was so cool. And he had, like, Clayface on his ship. It was, yeah. it was interesting. Was there even a... Aquaman Wonder Woman book though? Um, it was like a I can't remember that like what they were calling it. It was like basically the uh, Lois Lane and the Resistance yeah. book, I think. Because mm-hmm. it was And that was her um in the trenches kind of. Yeah. But it so, wasn't really centered yeah. on either of those characters. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't even know if we got that book yeah. about this war that was happening and it's going to tear the world apart. You hear these things and then it all just comes down to Barry Allen punching Barry Allen and in the face. It's it's very much you're watching one character, mm-hmm. and that's what Flashpoint was like. You yeah. were seeing everything from Flash's viewpoint because, besides some like the side story stuff, like 
you're with him from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't you don't really leave him. So from like a storytelling standpoint, like that kind of makes sense because in this book you are Barry Allen. You would only see what Barry Allen's there mm-hmm. for. It makes sense. The other story is very interesting, but again, when they only make sense to this story, why bother mm-hmm. picking them up? But I have to say, what Flashpoint really did was drive home the fact that I can only enjoy Barry Allen in these big, like, huge crossover things. Like, in a regular book, I don't like him. When you put him in with everyone else, your Flashpoints, your Flash Rebirths, your Crises, that, that's why I'm okay with reading Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. If I'm picking up a Flash book, Wally West, I don't know, he's just a much more interesting character to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what makes Barry interesting is... Only really comes into play in these big crossovers. Because he is a hero willing to sacrifice himself for the good of everybody else. He saw that in Infinite Crisis. So when it came down to him like being like, oh no, it's to save my mother, it was like, really, Barry Allen wouldn't you know, think twice about it. Like, it's for the great good. He would, of course, you know, sacrifice anything, even himself, it seems. You know, at least that's what I get from uh, Crisis. An infinite earth. But, uh, talking about looking back at, uh, I have no way to you, say You're what. just, well, saying goodbye to universes at the end of Flashpoint. Um, good time of the month for uh, DC to release their retroactive series. Um, what they did is for three weeks, was it? No, three months. Three months. Yeah, they started with retroactive in the 60s, 70s, this. 80s, and 90s, so four months. Every month, basically, it seemed like there was more retroactive books. Or at least, okay, maybe it was two months or three months, I think, they were doing the retroactive books, where it was different. Uh, getting back the creators from those time periods to come back and, rewrite, and write a new story, and also feature a backup of an old story, uh, especially with the Wonder Woman book, you, you kind of see that these modern stories are kind of filling in the gaps between those older, like either Bronze Age or Silk Age or, you know, the 90s, which I guess is modern age. Yeah, it'd be kind of modern. Uh, <coughs> the books that the writers come back and write. And then Green Lantern retroactive, the 90s, we got Ron Marks, the creator of Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, uh, coming back and. Slinging a ring of uh, of joy right through our hearts. Um, yeah, this when I first heard about the retroactive, I guess you could call it initiative mm-hmm. or program or whatever. It was a um, way to fill up space between now and before the relaunch. Yeah, like I, I thought it was interesting. Like, okay, getting these big creators from like their decades coming back to tell a story with the character that they helped pioneer. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Wonder Woman. Like I, I looking at all of them, I was kind of like, oh, the Flash one looks kind of cool because I like Brian Augustine's writing. But the one and only one that I bought was the uh, Green Lantern 1990s retroactive, written by Ron Mars, uh, drawn by Daryl Banks. This is what got me into Green Lantern. It was like their stories, and seriously, like picking this up and sitting there reading it, it was just like when I was buying Green Lantern back in the 90s. Like it felt great. You feel that paper quality? Mm-hmm. They went with the old school kind of like pulp, like yeah. non-glossy paper. And it still, it looks exactly the same. Like, mm-hmm. 
everything about it, like even like the word balloons in the caption box is like it's the same as it was in the '90s. And with the uh, Green Lantern, you have uh, Kyle Rayner's are trying to be uh, effigy coming back. And I, I said to John, like I haven't read a book with effigy in it since the '90s. <laughs> So this was just like walking into like a comic book shop randomly and looking at the shelves and being like, oh, there's a Green Lantern out. I need to get that one. Mm-hmm. Like back when I didn't go to the shop every week, I didn't have a pull list. I didn't fill out the previews. And it's a fun standalone story, but it just still just fits in with everything that I used to read back when I was buying comics as a kid. And, I mean, even down to the cover. I mean, the cover has that same classic look that you had in the 90s with these Green Lantern books. And, I, I mean, you, you pretty much said everything that I was going to say, but it, it does. It's got that feel. It takes you back to a kid. It's like going to Disneyland, and you, you just revert to that kid. And you re- I revert to Teenage John, like, exactly, like, oh, my gosh, Green Lantern book, and picking it up, like, at the Robo Supermart, you know, gas station, like... Picking it up, reading it, and... You had yeah. robot supermarkets? Robo. It was Robo. like a car wash. Yeah. Okay. And the other... You bought your goggles from a robot? Yeah, <laughs> the robot. Well, you say robot supermarket, gas market, you know. It's a robo. I'm, robo. Yeah. Sounds um, like a robot to me. But, I don't know. Yeah, it's got that... I mean, even the the DC insignia in the corner yeah. on the cover. Just yeah. just that great feel, and it, it does. It makes you... Just flashbacks to those to those books and, and honestly, like rereading this, it made me be like, "Crap, what happened, effigy?" Because it's been so long since he's appeared yeah. in anything. Like I he was, he was in. Uh, I think he appeared in uh, Countdown or some of the. Uh, I know he's been with Green Lantern. Has run into him before. Uh, Ion, the Ron Martz miniseries. Effigy was in that. Did he show up in that one? I can't remember because yeah. I know. Um, the one guy that had the yellow ring showed up at one point. Yeah. But it's like, you need more with Effigy, because he was he, actually... He's a cool character. He was um, created by the controllers, who have come back kind of in a big way in the Green Lantern universe, because they were the ones that were seeking the orange ring. Like, they wanted that power. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was at that point, I was like, oh man, maybe we'll get more Effigy, and it never happened. So, like, picking this up, it was it was fun. I really hope this is something DC kind of pursues down the line again. Like, you know, maybe not next year, but, you know, eventually go back and do this again because it was a lot of fun, you know? Get Mark Waid on an issue of The Flash again with Ethan yes. S. Skyver like, drawing it or something, you know? Yeah. Like, the Ron Myers, Daryl Banks stuff, I, that's what I read for DC. Like, I was always a Marvel kid, but I bought Green Lantern still, you oh, know? Yeah. I wish I still had all those issues. Oh, the Green Lantern? Yeah. What did you, you got? What did you do with them? I, I don't know what happened to all of them. Because we split. We well, bought that. That was after like I didn't. I lost all those. Oh man. Yeah. That's all insane. my all my comics from when I was a kid gone somewhere. Oh man. That's why when I saw that thing on eBay to get like that huge like lot of Green Lantern comics, I was like, I totally want to do this. I forget how many we got, but it was like seventy five bucks each. Yeah. We split it. That was fun. It was great just sitting there, like, deciding which we were going to take. But Paul? No, I I really enjoy this. This is one of the things that writers kind of forget. Ron Marks never forgets this about Kyle Rayner. I feel like a lot of people forget about it when they write a Green Lantern. Is you can create anything with the ring. And Kyle does. Like, from a, you know, uh, 
fire hydrant to a like catcher's mitt to a football player. It's it's a lot of fun to see this, and Effigy does the same thing with his like he's basically pyro on cosmic steroids because he can fly through space and he can create anything out of flames. He's like a fire green lantern. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a lot of fun to see these two guys go head, you know, just slinging powers left and right. And even when Kyle Ripley runs out of, you know, juice and he has to create a winged harness thing and down to the little character moment, like, sorry, no oath, not my thing. Like, that's what they were doing to Green Lantern during that time period. Like, they wanted to streamline everything. They didn't want to have the yellow uh, impurity in there. They didn't want the oath. They just wanted one guy that, you know, could do anything with a green ring. And and they do have those moments because this is them going back and writing it where maybe sometime down the road I'll be saying the oath. Not really my thing right now. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun is, like, remembering what they were doing with Green Lantern, the series at the time. They were stepping away from so much. You know, no core, no oath. One guy protecting the planet. Crab mask. <laughs> I fucking love the crab mask. I'm glad it's back. I like his bracers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I like the, too. That, that's yeah. what's really, I really like, is, you know, off his costume is the bracers. And also the little icon on the side instead of the big old thing in the middle of the chest. And um, flipping through the uh, backup story, which is an older issue of Green Lantern reprinted in it, I completely forgot that basically they took, like, other art almost and, like, pasted it in and just, like, tinged it green for Kyle's constructs. Like, I completely forgot about that. Like, it's not inked or anything at all. And, like, it just looks, like, pasted in there. Like, and, yeah, like, the Superman that, there? Yeah, like, like seeing that again, the... I was like, holy crap, I forgot, like, how, like, cheesy <laughs> they look, like, compared to, you know, what we have now. And, mm-hmm. Or even in, like, yeah. The, the front story here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's fun, like, seeing this stuff again. And it made me want for that 90s time period again. It's like, mm-hmm. crap, like, I want to read more about, you know, Donna Troy and the Dark Stars and, like, John Stewart being, like, a cripple. And, like, <laughs> Kyle Rayner like, coming in to visit him every now and then. Like, that's the stuff that, you know, busted my comic book cherry. And you always remember your first. You always remember your first. Which is good, because we have another issue number one hey, here. number one! Uh, that segue have... was not planned, people. <laughs> Boom. Boom. And uh, we got uh, Greg Rucka's take on Punisher. Buckle hey. in, uh, bang board listeners. This is one of the only Marvel books we'll probably talk for about in a while. For a while. Yeah. But the DC new number ones, like... I can't see him the next time I'm talking about a Marvel book. Yeah. Either in my pick em list, or... Yeah, and um, something that some people like to do is kind of pull from reality and kind of cast mm-hmm. cast people. And right off of bat, Robert De Niro is the Punisher. Yeah, I can see that. What son of a bitch! Yeah, you know, and, like, I even the raindrop yeah. on his face is the mole. mole. <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't think that when I was reading, but after you said it, I was like, yeah, fuck. And then, that I is. mean, you also have, um, is one of the main detectives in it is, uh, uh, Morgan Freeman from Seven. Yes. You know, and yeah. it kind of has the same kind of Brad Pitt partner in it. Mm-hmm. Um, all in all, a pretty good 
it's a pretty good story, but it's kind of what you've seen before yeah. is the Punisher getting a cop to be his inside man and helping him out and covering his tracks and giving him the intel that he needs, which I guess is the Punisher. He you know, he does need those things. Mm-hmm. But you saw that a lot with um Ennis's run with uh Detective Soap and Punisher making that guy's career and getting him up to captain. Like, you've kind of seen it before, and I think I was expecting just a little bit more out of uh, Rucka's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not its not a bad book. I think maybe if I heard a little bit more positive from it, I'd grab it and trade. I mean, it picked up number one because Greg Rucka was writing it, and I wanted to see his take on it. Um, so it, it's not horrible, but maybe down the line I'd pick up the trade and check them out because they might get really, really good. Because mm-hmm. I do, I have a lot of faith in Greg Rocca, and he takes on grittiness like this very well. Punisher number one, you're saying the story isn't really isn't something we uh, haven't seen before. Punisher number one isn't something we haven't seen before. I feel like this character Marvel, it's one of those classic Marvel things where they reboot the character constantly. With a new number one. Uh, no, I'm saying we, we've seen that story before. I know, no. Oh, okay. I, and I'm saying that it's not just the story. It's the Punisher starting off with a number one before this happened quite a bit. Uh, we had, um, what was it, Aaron? Jason Aaron? Doing his run, and it was kind of like a miniseries where he becomes Frankencastle. Just, you know, crazy out of this, you know, crazy as crazy comics can be. And now we're jumping right into a Greg Rucka, which is more down to their real world, taking and putting Robert De Niro. <laughs> well, with that's the artist. Ennis's, you know. Ennis's Max run, mm-hmm. he pretty much casted um, Clint Eastwood to play to yeah. play the Punisher, and he was an older, grittier Punisher. And that was the Max series, which stayed more mm-hmm. gritty and violent. And then they had the the Marvel one. Where mm-hmm. he was back in the Marvel Universe with, yeah. with those characters. And this seems like a mix between those two, because this is, you don't really get any superheroics. It's him coming in and busting up, you know, up. You know, it's just so funny, because Dare, didn't we just kind of see the same scene in Daredevil number yeah. one, with a mob kind of wedding? Yeah. Like, with a hit going on, except... This one ends in blood. The other one ended up with the spot. kissing a woman on the front page. <laughs> yeah, exactly, at the bugle. But, man, ah, uh, oh, damn it, why do you have to say that was Morgan Freeman? Because That's I all you can see now. Yeah, and that was Robert De Niro, because now... That it, now I like, want to read this book. No, now I can't pick up number two without seeing that. It's, it's going so on So you would me. pick up number two? Uh, just to see where it goes, because, like you said... You have faith in Rucka, and that's I, why I, I, I'd pick too. it up in trade versus another issue. Like I, I have always enjoyed Rucka's writing. Like he does street level very, yeah. very well. And when you say Greg Rucka on the Punisher, it's like, oh man, that's a fit. That's why I but got number one. Something about this—it just fell flat. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like I can't even like compare it to the Captain America number one and Daredevil number one because I enjoyed both of those far much yes. more than this one. This is the weakest out of the class. And, that, and that's really sad because Rucka on Punisher, it just sounds so right. Yeah. And I, it, it reads like any other Punisher story I've read before, mm-hmm. which is sad because it, I love Rucka. 
Like, I don't know if I've been spoiled by his years at DC, like, doing stuff like Gotham Central and Detective Comics, but this, it just, I, I couldn't get into it, and I felt bad reading it. Like, every page, I was just like, mm-hmm. I want to like this, but I, I couldn't get into it, and, it, like, that was really disappointing. Yeah, and I, I have almost the entire run of Ennis's Punisher. Um, before he went to Max, and it was just the the Marvel Knights version, his whole run of that, and it just seems like a weaker Ennis story. And yeah, it, it so seems far. like it just, and it seems like a washed out one. Like it's just missing those gritty bits that Ennis put in, and those extra violent bits that would make a Punisher book. Those a Punisher the book, top, yeah, over the top violence well, well, because this is violent. This, yeah, this starts with a wedding being completely massacred, and then the Punisher coming in and massacring some goons. Like, it doesn't... I have to say, that's what I like as soon as the Punisher comes in, is it's just like, there's not even word balloons. It's just like, you see gunfire and people dropping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe if... I don't know, maybe if the book had started out that way, it would have grabbed me a little bit more. I I think... I think what it is is... The, the Punisher's not really in the book. No, he's silent. And it's, it's following the detectives, and then the Punisher just happens to be in there because you have to have it because it's a Punisher book. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I would have liked to have seen more Castle's world, like this is Castle, this is why he's doing it, Greg Rucka's view of that mm-hmm. versus Greg Rucka's everybody around the Punisher story. See, number two is a book I would probably want to read. Not something I would buy, but if it just like appeared magically in my pull box, <laughs> like I'd be like, okay, you know what, I'll I'll give this a shot. Yeah. I mean, the first issue, it's not bad. It's not a bad. No, it's not bad at all. There's things that Rucka can do with that relationship between a guy on the inside and and the Punisher, which I think can be very interesting. Um. But unfortunately, we're setting it up here, so yeah. we don't get that yet. It's and unfortunately, it's not the Punisher in the Marvel universe, so you're, he's not running around with Cap, which was awesome in Daredevil number two. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's the weakest book out of these new number ones from Marvel that well, we picked up. I would, I would be more interested in reading the second one, picking up and trading than the Moon Knight. Oh, Moon Knight was awesome. Yeah, and then Moon Knight was the number one too. It was yeah. part of that yeah. launch. Moon Knight, I didn't know. It was a couple either. months back, though. Yeah, it came, out, it came out way before. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. No, because, I mean, we're on... Well, we're probably on issue three of Moon Knight. Or four, yeah. And, and we're, we're going to be three of number three of Daredevil and yeah, number three week. of Captain America. Yeah. So this is just yeah. the last one in that line. Yeah. Yeah. Pick up or is it... Is it a Captain America yet? Oh, I... I yeah, number two came out, like, two weeks ago, I think. I think I have an there. Because number three comes... For Daredevil comes out next week, because that was almost, like, when I was picking, but I was like, oh, I gotta go Red Lantern. Yeah, I gotta go DC, too. Yeah. But this good. Isn't there a Ghost Rider coming out by another big name? I don't even know. I think there is. I don't know. Honestly, I have with with all these fifty two issues, oh my you know, all these number new new ones. It's like Marvel relaunched their Max line with all new number ones. <laughs> <laughs> Why would Marvel do something like that? And since we're relaunching books with number ones, DC might as well do the same thing with Justice League number one by Jeff Johns and Jim Lee. 
The duo that brought you uh, DC Universe Online. Yes, that is very true. Good call. Jim Lee and Bob Harris, the duo that brought you Heroes Reborn. Yeah. Over at Marvel, Heroes Reborn. Jim Lee, he Mm -hmm. launched this before. And Bob Harris was the editor-in-chief. And now he's the editor-in-chief at DC, and he's reborning the heroes at the DC. Here with Jim Lee. But we have a Justice League, number one. Um, we saved this for last, even though it was actually the first of the new number ones to come out from DC. Uh, came out the same day as Flashpoint number five. Um, this is the one I was actually really looking forward to the most. I mean, you got two creative titans on it, like Jeff Johns and Jim Lee. Um, you know they're going to just come out swinging, and I think they definitely do. Uh, being told a story of the Justice League from, I think they've said five, five years, years ago. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're seeing Batman, you get some Green Lantern in there, and then you also catch a glimpse of Superman, and they're uh, going after a parademon. So it's kind of exciting um, seeing where this is going to go. I don't know. It's got that balls-to-the-wall feeling that you kind of would like from a Justice League book. I, I always feel like Justice League should kind of read as that big like summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I love some of the quiet introspective stuff we got with the uh, Brad Nutzel run. Um, th- this is this was fun. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I really liked how cocky... Cocky? They, they he was, was he was cocking a lot. He of, was cocking. Uh, how cocky... He remodeled a you know, kitchen um, and also bathroom. It's, Green Lantern is in it. And I liked, I liked his play with Batman, who he's no-nonsense. He's not... He's not fun, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, you can tell right away he doesn't like Hal. And Hal, like, if you weren't a Green Lantern fan and you didn't love Hal Jordan, you would be like, this guy's a dick, you know? Because yeah. he is. But, I mean, you expect that out of a young Hal Jordan, which this is supposed to be. And even the moment <laughs> where Batman slips his ring off his finger, you know? Like, great little moments between the two of them. And then he just kind of shoves uh, Green Lantern's words back in his face, like, he goes Green Lantern's like, as long as I concentrate, concentrate, I can create anything with that, this ring. And at that point, you know, right after that, Batman has his ring off, and he's like, how did you do that? And he's like, I guess you weren't concentrating. But you do get to see that new power pendant. Was that a thing with Green Lantern before, where he could just recall the ring to his finger at any yeah. moment? Okay. Yeah. Because that's not something that I... Realized, but um, yeah, this is a very straightforward popcorn movie kind of thing because there's this for whatever reason they're battling this one demon and they got this box that they find, and then all of a sudden they have to go see Superman. And I don't really understand the reasoning why they want to go see Superman other than well, he's an alien, and that guy, that transforming parademon, is an alien, therefore. They must all be connected. Especially aliens from... know other aliens. It's like black people. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a public comment. <laughs> that was Christopher Roy all the way. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. If I said it, it wouldn't have been funny. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I have nowhere to go now. No, it's okay. Um, they're definitely dealing with the mother box, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, the parademon says, you know, from dark side or for dark side, when he blows side. himself up. Yeah. Um, 
I know it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, and um, yeah, and even the stuff like you're gonna see, um, what's his face? Cyborg. Cyborg, you know, come about, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, everything about it is a lot of it's it's fun and it's gonna be a big you know every you're not gonna see all the heroes all at once. It's mm-hmm. a building of this group to take on, which is gonna be the first time Darkseid comes to. You know, to Earth, you know. The new DC. It, it, even though you don't get all the, uh, heroes, you get all the heroes on the cover. You don't get them all in the book. But, it's pretty good. Um, it's a big popcorn event kind of thing, but it is very straightforward, the storytelling. You got Batman, basically, you know, Batman, uh, and Green Lantern, Green Lantern explains his power set, and Green Lantern slowly realized that Batman's nothing more than just a guy in a bat suit. I I so, do like that moment when like <laughs> Batman's talking to Green Lantern. He's like, "You flew us here in a giant green glowing jet." He's like, "What are we gonna do to like travel? Like talk really low?" <laughs> <laughs> it's it is it feels designed for new readers. Yeah, you know somebody that doesn't know who, but somebody who doesn't know who Batman and Green Lantern are. Well, we were talking to um, the guy that owns our comic book shop, Don, from Down's Atomic mm-hmm. Comics. And he was like, I've seen a lot of you know new people come in. A lot of people he hasn't seen in years coming in to pick up Justice League number one. Oh, good. So, I, so I think there are those people that might not know who Green Lantern is. Who are, just, who are jumping on board because it's a great starting on point for them. Mm-hmm. For, you know, and it is. It's a great jumping on point, again, for people getting back into comic books. And yeah. luckily you get a good B-side story. You know, they said when this kid that can play football, we know it's cyborg fixed yeah. stone, but nobody else would. And, and they, well, if they look at the front cover, he's you know, yeah, black guy, he's black guy. They, oh, you say that? This is the most racist Bagman broadcast ever. <laughs> ever since Paul's white power rant. Um, <laughs> no, I, I not like, rant. You I was <laughs> discussing Blackest Night, where they had a white lantern. No, Paul, it's like time. to give you shit because it's funny. I know, but this might be somebody's first. In the, in the, they might have picked up Justice League number one and said, true. I want to read it, I want to listen to a Bagnum broadcast because they're talking about this book that, that I read true. and I want to know more about it. That is true. I don't want people to think we're racist. We, we are not. We, we love people of all races We and live creeds. in Belo. Yeah, we live in the Belo. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It is a very accessible first issue yes. I, for being like a Justice League where you have you know all the superheroes. If you have like a fairly like passing knowledge of who Batman and Green Lantern and Superman might be, you can easily pick this up. Um, I don't think you need a passing knowledge of Green Lantern because you get he does explain Green everything. He says he's a member of the core. There's you know thousands of us. I'm in, you know I'm a space cop. Twenty eight fourteen. What's that? My beat. It's my beat <laughs> exactly. And growing, growing jets. You know it's and also like you know God, this is my city. Your city's you know this city. Like no. This whole place is mine. Yeah, all, the whole space sector is mine. You get to, to see that he, you know, has some sort of, like, plane experience because he makes a fighter jet. So yeah. you kind of get that. You get hints at the deeper things that, that we appreciate as, you know, long-time readers. And I think help new readers, especially since it sets up a great cliffhanger. And that's the best part of this book. It makes that single-issue matter, much like, you know... Uh, Brian K. Vaughn used to do write a single issue ended on a cliffhanger Batman versus Superman come on that's yeah. it, it it looks <laughs> like, cool yeah that's right there Batman versus Superman big old red and white letters like and, 
<laughs> I, so, I'm sorry, people I complain about like the red trunks being gone. I don't I don't mind it. Like in this one drawing, like the final big splash in Justice League number one, that that's Superman. Like I don't he see, doesn't have red underwear on. Like that's yeah. big big whoop. Yeah. I don't stare at people's cod pieces. <clears throat> I understand like Dan DiDio said in an interview, like the reason Batman and Superman don't have that is because they're getting away from that. Like mm-hmm. that was the 1930s strongman at the, the like circus. the circus. Like yeah, yeah it, it, ma- it made sense. <laughs> like nowadays, no, it doesn't. Um, and actually, I it wasn't this picture, but I saw someone online did a recoloring of the Superman outfit, but they put the uh, belt as yellow, mm-hmm. like it's always been, and it it flows a little bit better because it breaks up all that red and blue. Yeah. But it, it's... That's a gold, right? That's No, that's it's red. That's red, Paul. It's got like a little shimmery like light hitting it, but... Okay, I thought it was gold when I was looking at it. I didn't realize it was actually red. Yeah. No, it, it's red. It's like the same red as like the... the listeners, first time listeners, I have a color difficulty. Yeah, Paul gets a lot of colors mixed up. I'm not uh, 100% color blind, but I'm pretty close. Um, but no, it, it's a it's definitely a fun book. And, I mean, we're definitely going to see Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Superman, mm-hmm. Green Lantern, Batman, Cyborg, and Flash. Are there any characters you'd want in this? Like, that you would say, oh, I want this character in the Justice League. I like the interaction between Hawkman and the Atom. Especially in the Justice League. I like the interaction between Flash and Green Arrow. Yes, Green Arrow would be... I mean, they're both very, mm-hmm. like... Green they Arrow is the other. one. If I was just going to add one, yeah, Green Lantern or Green Arrow or Green, yeah, Green Arrow. Especially Green Arrow, Green Lantern. You know, had a great interaction, and then yeah. plus, you know, the Flash dynamic. But did that interaction happen now? Who knows? I don't know. Were you, are you guys? Were any of you guys really? Wait, ups- which one? Well, you posed yeah. the question. What? Oh, I don't. I'm fine with it. You're like, I don't. I don't want to answer. I was just curious. I'm. I'm really kind of fine with the roster. I think if. You weren't going to have... Uh, yeah, that's a big seven. You know, that's a new big seven, I if, guess. If you weren't going to have Martian Manhunter in the Stormwatch, mm-hmm. I'd, like to see, I'd like to see him as someone in, on the league. Well, I just from reading online, I guess Martian Manhunter's had some interactions with the league before, it sounds like. Yeah, I believe so. it. I mean, I, I've only thumbed through really... Um, the uh, Stormwatch. I haven't had a chance <clears throat> to really read it yet. Mm-hmm. But he seems like a guy who's just, like, he's there to help orchestrate stuff. And he's kind of a, a man who knows what's going on to help set things up. Mm-hmm. So, I, I like it. Um, I don't, um, you know, we said, oh, this is set back five years beforehand. You know, we're now a couple weeks into, or a week into September, we've picked up the new books. There's nothing that says this happens five years beforehand, and that becomes kind of an issue when you read the next books, especially if you were a new reader, because it becomes kind of confusing later on when you're reading, it's just the time periods are kind of all mucked, especially with Justice League International Action comics that seems to happen before even Justice League. Well, does it, like this you know, says five years ago on oh, the front okay. page. Oh, I Justice League. Yeah, I'm second panel. And does I mean, 
What's, what does your Superman say? Maybe Superman? there is notation that I just didn't notice because it, even in Animal Man, they're like, oh, maybe we can you know take you and it can become a highlight reel to get you into the Justice League. But I don't think there is. I think a little bit for the fact, like, I mean, it's he's you know he's wearing a T-shirt, you know, mm-hmm. a cape, and then he's got jeans on, like. We're talking about the time period differences. That it's taking place before he was... And, you know, and it's the first interaction yes. people have had with him. So it's mm-hmm. going to be pre... Pre-Justice League. Pre-Cape. You know, pre-real out, outfit and everything. Mm-hmm. They said he showed up six months beforehand in this book, in Action Comics. Uh, so it's previous mm-hmm. to the five years. Who knows how long. Yeah. But... And supposedly Superman is now the first superhero that actually appears. But then, man, there's a lot of superheroes in the DCU really quick, it seems. You know? I don't know. But, um... Well, wasn't Batman supposed to... Well, I guess you wouldn't consider Batman a superhero at the time. But I thought I thought Batman was supposed to show up before Superman. This is what yeah, I'm saying. It's the kind of confusing thing. Is this is five years ago... They, Green Lantern's been researching Superman, his power levels. Um, he is an alien, and he's dangerous. Yeah. Batman is a myth still in Gotham, which I really like. I think Batman should always be kind of the myth, and he should hardly, you know, the person on the street should never see him. And when he picks up a you know purse snatcher, he's just that guy suddenly knocked out around the street corner. And the cops get there and be like, man, is this your purse? She's like, yep, how did this happen? Well, I, I like those moments in, like, in Flashpoint when they talk about, like, Thomas Wayne, like, him as the Batman, and just, like, you know, he's always been that myth, and one of the things is, is he's invincible. Like, mm-hmm. nobody can kill him. He's had all, he's been blown up, he's been shot, he's been all this, and you can't kill him, you know? So... It's, I mean, it's interesting. Like, yeah, I, I love having Batman as that myth, but then also you can't always have it the first time yeah. somebody deals with him. You know, you, you want those interactions with the Joker who's fought Batman so many times, and, you know, you want you want those little things. Yeah. And we're... don't I don't think we're resetting the Batman things in the Batman books, but those haven't really... Well, I haven't picked up one yet. Yeah, de- I want to get Detective Comics, but it was sold out. At the shop. I didn't order it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learn my lesson. <laughs> I think, you know, talking about... We have read some of the new number ones. I think this Justice League number one is the most straightforward, most easy to pick up for a new reader out of all the other ones. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. with the big superheroes. Yeah. In it. Just but, based on, like, everything that I've read that's come out this past week... Even being a comic book reader for, mm-hmm. you know, over a decade now, picking up these number ones, I was like, who the fuck? Like, I know who this character is supposed to be, mm-hmm. but what's happening? Well, like, you don't know who they're supposed to be. Well, I know who they were, I <laughs> yeah. should say then. Exactly. But, like, yeah, like, this was very accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even something like Static Shock, like a character that hasn't been around too much, ex- except for the past couple of years, like, he's kind of had a resurgence. Even reading that, I was like, "We're like, what? Really? What's, what's happening?" Yeah. But uh, to learn more about that, yeah, that's right. I'm pimping it again. YouTube.com, bagged and bored. Check it out there. 
And until uh, I think that wraps us up. We're not doing a movie fix. Right, we're not. We aren't. I'm not a big fan of weeds. I've been watching that. <laughs> I told you, like, I... Yeah. I didn't... I wasn't sure while I watched it if I liked it, but it kept having these cliffhangers where I was like, well, I kind of want to see what happens. Every show ends in a cliffhanger. Parks and Rec comes out next uh, couple weeks from now. Yeah. yeah. Starting new number one. You got a free preview on iTunes. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Me either. It's only a three-minute preview. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm okay with waiting. It's a recap of what happened in the last season. Uh-huh. And they also talk about uh, number one, Tammy number one. <laughs> and also Tammy number zero. What? Zero Tammy. Do you guys want to know? No. Yeah? No, I said. No. no. All right. We both agreed. No. Don't, Don't ruin that for us. We turned you on to that show. Well, Chris turned me on. And then to, I the, you. to the show. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Have another drink, Paul. You'll get there, too. <laughs> well, I think that's going to wrap us up for episode number 95. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, make sure you rate and review us over on the iTunes. Check out our Facebook at Bag and Board. No, that's Twitter at Bag and Board. Facebook is slash Bag and Board. We can still look us up on uh-huh. Facebook ad bag and board. Well, just have to type ad, it. Just not with the ad symbol yeah. in front of it. You don't want to do that. What's this thing, ad bag and board? <laughs> <laughs> That's our Twitter. Ad bag I don't board. give a shit. Those are. Those are your books, I think. No, mine are all over there. Okay. Can I borrow this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? I think that one too.